movie lovers, and welcome to the show. This is your host, as always, from Movie Lovers Unite, John DeGorio, and I just want to sit, talk about something real quick, and that is Audible. What is Audible? I'm so glad that you guys asked. Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks, ranging from bestsellers like Anne Rice, Stephen King, the list just goes on. Their whole entire catalog, when it comes down to audiobooks, is just fantastic. If you're on on the road and everything and you want an audiobook and you want to download it fast, go ahead, go to Audible. You're not going to regret it. They actually have a trial right now that you guys can actually jump on. You can actually go on ahead, go to the link, and it'll bring you up to that trial. And a matter of fact, every month, members actually get one credit to pick any title, plus two Audible originals from a monthly selection and access to Daily News Digest from the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and the Washington Post, as well as guided meditation programs. Another thing, too, guys, that's not all they have. They also have... They also have finish. If you actually want to go ahead and do some things to actually better yourself for 2021, they have stuff for that too, like finishing more books or becoming a better parent, leader, or a person. How to books, which is something that everybody seems to grab onto a lot lately, and everything else. So, if you guys are actually looking for something to maybe better yourself for 2021, go on ahead, check out those books as well. They have a big catalog. You guys won't regret it. Go ahead, click on the link below in the description notes. Go on ahead. You guys won't regret it. Sign up for that trial period. And always, until next time, stay safe, guys, and enjoy the show. And God bless. Hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show. I have my good friend. It's Frenchie from Schmoles in the North. And I have my other good friend. Hi, I'm Charlie. Charlie Woodman. I've been on a lot of the other podcasts. <laughs> and... You know what, though? We're actually going to do a little bit of movie news tonight. As a matter of fact, we actually have some Dexter news that just dropped today. And, you know, Charlie and I have been doing a Dexter after show and everything. We're going to be doing season two pretty soon. And this is actually comes at a good time for us to be able to do this kind of movie news and everything. So I'm excited to actually talk about Dexter again. Frenchie and I actually talked about Dexter several other times on the show. You know, mm -hmm. he's also a a diehard uh, fan of Dexter as well. So, you know, with further ado, let's go ahead and go into the first uh, topic. All right. Um, so since we started talking about Dexter, the, uh, the one of the big news that they finally cast the uh, the big major role um, in Dexter, uh, Clancy Brown is going to be joining the revival for the ma for a major role. Um, it's, uh, it's, and then the article says, it's almost like Showtime's upcoming Dexter revival is trying to guarantee success. And now that it's added Clancy Brown to its cast, not only is, is Brown an outstanding actor, but he's, uh, but he's also set to play Kurt, uh, Caldwell, the primary villain of the show. He, Caldwell's character is described mm -hmm. as the unofficial mayor of the small town of Iron Lake. He's realized the American dream by going from driving big rigs, just like his father did, to now owning several trucks and local truck shops, powerful, uh, generous, loved by everybody. He's a true man of the people. If he's got your back, cons um, consider yourself blessed. But should you cross Kurt or Hearn anyway else that he cares for, got to help you. <laughs> That's interesting. I actually like that idea, though. Because I think that we might actually be dealing with some th someone that's actually corrupt. Dexter might end up trying to kill a politician on this one, which is totally different from what he normally does. He usually kills other serial killers and mm -hmm. stuff like that. So to see him deal with someone that might be corrupt is actually a different spin on the show, just a little bit. But who's to say that this guy doesn't have a dark past to where he might actually be a serial killer? What do you think? Yeah, well, personally, um, just with the beards, right? I'm thinking Alaska, first of all. Okay, so he, he has to go to somewhere that no one's going to find him, right? Uh, and for me, hearing the actor, it's the same shock I got when I heard that uh, Lithgow was going to be um, the villain of season three or four. And this this is good quality actors. This is caliber actors. And from what I understand from another article is, uh, you know, they're only going to say this, um, this story because it's worth telling. Mm -hmm. And... And if it's worth telling it, something's really quality, and you got a quality actor like that, whew, it's going to make some fireworks. It was interesting because a while back there was rumors that John Cusack was interested, like, or I think they're trying to approach him to play the Kirk character. Mm. Um, and he's he, he's played a similar character, like what 
Um, Clancy Brown's going to be doing a Dexter. I think he was in the movie The Frozen Lake, which is actually based on the real-life serial killer of that, which um, mm. that plays serial killer. But also the article mentioned specifically that Dexter may not is not just targeting Kurt, mm. but it's his son that's the killer. This the son is the one that's been got that those urges or the passenger and the, the that uh Kurt's been the one that's been covering it up mm. since he's the politician. I don't know. That's what I read a while ago. But I could that'd be like, like I guess that I mean that that that's just, I don't know if it's true or not, but that'd be. It, it, I can say that. You know, kind of, it kind of reminds me right off the bat is a play and spin of like season one, the relationship between his father and mm-hmm. his son. He was just trying to protect the son, right, and trying to do good, like the most you could with someone who's a sociopath. And maybe it's like the flip side: this corrupt person that really is disgusting the world still has to protect his son. And this is how he does it, you know? So that's yeah. an interesting angle. Another angle I'm actually looking at it from is like Bates Motel with Norma protecting um, yeah. uh, Nor- Norman and everything too mm-hmm. on that level. But who's to say that Dexter can't come in there and maybe he might actually have a change of heart a little bit to where he's like, look, I've been down the same road. Harry actually mm-hmm. taught me these things. Let me try and help you. Just like how he tried to help that one kid from season one. Yes. Remember? So yeah. he might actually try and do a try and redeem him or try to redeem him, but it might end up being the other way around to where he might actually have to put him down on the table. Mm. Well, the so, kid part that enough that hasn't been confirmed yet. The main right. thing that confirmed me was that Kurt has been casted and he's the politician. So right. yeah, this is all speculation from what I read in the right. current past article. But I mean, it can go either way. <laughs> At a minimum, it was a good conversation. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Because I'm that's just, what I like doing. Just I was intrigued on it. how they're going to do what other main characters from the sh- past show are they bringing back. For I mean, me, and I was going to uh, talk about that. For me, it's important to break the formula because this uh, show suffered from formula, formula sh- uh, fatigue. Okay. Uh-huh. They use something, oh, the villain. Okay. So what's the villain of the season? But after a while, it just they're yeah. trying the same things in different ways and just went haywire. Mm-hmm. Uh, first four seasons is holy grail of awesomeness. Then it's eh. So break the formula. Don't detach yourself from you know uh, the the original series. Just have the main character. It's a whole new life, whole new chapter, a whole new book of Dexter. Right. And to be honest with you, I would like to actually see some of the side characters that he's actually informed with all the time that he actually mm. grows for friendships with have some type of danger mm-hmm. to where he has to try and protect them. Because if you actually think about it, Angel was protected. Lagretta was actually uh, protected. All his friends was protected. I want to have some form mm. of danger when it comes down to this, because I want to have that whole entire suspense of something might could happen to his friends that he actually formed friendships with. Yeah. I want to know about his son though. It's the son and the girl he ends up with. Like they're in London or whatever. I want to know. To be honest, I want to know what happens to his son. <laughs> they mean Dexter's son. Yeah. yeah. You know what? They're probably just for as a nod, and you know, planting seeds. I'm guessing, but they'll probably do in a way that it's going to be one segment. He, you know, he has a contact. He still talks to to someone or able to get information. Just how see how they're doing, and we're probably going to reveal. Uh, five six minutes of the son and his whatever woman he left it to. I forgot her character's name. Um, but then over with, and then back to the main story and plant the seeds. If people, if people okay. love it and clam, clam for it, well, okay. you know, you have something to go with. Yeah. All right. So let's go on with our next one. All right. The next thing is the uh, the another Dexter news. Essentially. Um, just an inner article discussing you know, why Michael C. Hall decided now is the time to bring it back. Essentially, why he decided to come back as the character. And it was, uh, so the article was like, it was announced in October, Showtime is bringing back Dexter for 10 episode limited series revival. Michael C. Hall back, uh, um, this, and show writer, showrunner Clyde Phillips, who served as the showrunner for the first half of Dexter's eight season run has said that this revival is a continuation of the series that will not discredit anything that happened in the, 
the seasons that he wasn't involved in. Um, and then uh, Hall recently sat down for the interview with Daily Beast. And while the main focus was his band Princess um, goes to the Butterfly Museum, the subject of Dexter Revival also came up along the way. He confirmed that Showtime has been trying to get him to return for years to Dexter, but they haven't found the story he felt was worth telling until now. Um, that, that, and then, the, and then he says, it's a conversation that's been ongoing and different possibilities have emerged over the years. I think in this case, the story has been that's been told is worth telling in a way that other proposals didn't. And I think enough time has passed where it's become in, intriguing in a way that it hasn't, it wasn't before. And let's be real. People found the way the show left things pretty unsatisfying, unsatisfying. And there's always been a hope that a story would emerge that would be worth telling. I include myself in the group of people that wondered what the hell happened to that guy. So I'm excited to step back into it. I never had that experience of playing a character that this many years on. And then he, he was pretty unsatisfied with the finale. Mm. And he said that the, the, all the criticisms were unwarranted. Um, were warranted, he replied. So I'm actually happy that he decided after all this time, hey, look, I wasn't happy with this whole entire scenario about how it ended. So I'm ready to come back. And I remember during interviews and stuff like that, he's like, no, I'm done with Dexter. Dexter's done. He had his ending. I do not want to come back. And then they come up with a script, right? So that's actually foretelling for him to where he can actually do more things as Dexter. Maybe he can actually do some exploring for his own self. They can do just different things in the realm of Dexter. Yeah, and what I got from that is as well, he finally had an emotion, emotional connection, something that spoke to him, and he he can definitely dive himself through. Like he said, it's been a while, right, uh, since he did the, the character, and he's never tackled on that kind of uh, challenge. And usually when actors are really challenged, because this is the first time they do it, when they really dive deep into it, they're really good. And if he's emotionally connected and you got good performances by the other people, man, we're we're gonna we're gonna kill Showtime if you don't do season two. <laughs> <laughs> I'm as excited he's back. I mean, the fact that it, that's, the story must have been really good for him to decide. Okay, now's the time to bring it back, mm. and, and I'm excited for it because I absolutely despised how they finished that, how they ended it. It made no sense. <laughs> I have a question for you both. When did you start like saying, uh, what the fuck? You know, when was your first what the fuck moment in Dexter? Um, like with the ending or is it or the show in general? Show in general. When they kill Rita. Really? I thought that was like like because I I mean I was in I started like like I said, I haven't watched all season three, and then I was watching bits and pieces of season four, and then I read an article discussing what happened at the end of that the current episode of season four and my i'm like what and then from that point that's for me is when the show just dropped and then the other what the f was how deb died yeah. <laughs> oh yeah but, like, um, yeah. yeah uh, you john for me it has to be rita as well because that was just something that i wasn't expecting because you're expecting a happy ending you're expecting okay he got rid of the big bad guy He's going to go home to his wife and everything, and he's going to go on his trip. Right. But instead, it does a total 360 where a whole total mindfuck of like, Mm. you know, okay, yeah, the big big bad is dead, but he also got to somebody I cared about before I had a chance to protect her. While I was busy hunting him, he already hunted me. He already Mm. scored one for his team. So, you know, he actually had to learn from his mistakes on that part. But another what the F moment for me was also the part where, and it's like whenever the show started going bad, is that the fact where he starts talking to the psychiatrist that his parents knew and everything mm-hmm. at towards the end of the season. I'm like, okay, I am pretty much bored out of my mind with the show now because it's not going anywhere. There's nothing really there. No meat to actually process anything. Nothing for me to actually digest to where I can actually say that I care about the show, but I'm enticing and I'm, I'm just drawn into the show because I was hoping maybe, you know, it's like wrinkles, right? You're trying to, in your ironing and you're just trying to get those wrinkles out. So I'm like, okay, maybe this first couple of set of episodes for like the last season is just the iron, just getting the wrinkles mm-hmm. out. But mm-hmm. once I saw them going where they were going, I'm like, okay, th- this is yeah. it. This is what they're going for. Yeah. Yeah. Like for me, it's 
actually it was quite the contrary for the death i was so shocked and i understood you know the irony of it like he the bad guy won the bad guy won and there's nothing he could have done but means the progression after i was expecting okay, season one what the fuck happened and it went to a weird place and more it progressed more went, more my brain went like ooh, they're not there's something happening in the writing room here they're not on the par and it just kept going on and on every season i was like hoping okay we're gonna get something good and then shit <laughs> just a diarrhea river right and then it's at the point that the sister her his sister actually gets him murdering someone and it felt just so pushed in it there's no like gratification there's no like wow that was a moment it just seems so fabricated and out of place that then i was like okay i'm done <laughs> I think yeah, they, yeah. they should have done that if they were going to have Deb find out. It should have been in season one when Dexter saved her um, from like, before Rudy got her. I mean, I think they if they were going to do it, they should have done it early on, not like season like end of season six or so or whatever. I don't know. I mean, that was weird. I think they should have done it that last episode, the last season. Like mm-hmm. she dies, she uh, she she finds out, and she founds out, and then he actually kills her or something like that. It would or, have been an impact. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, okay. Let me ask you this: What do you think about this idea? Because I asked uh, Charlie about this before, but my speculation was this: You know how he's always narrating in first person, right? Mm. So my thing is, what if he's actually just reminiscing about his life, how he got to the point where Deb is actually having him on the table? And oh. Deb is the one who has to try to end him because she tried helping him, but it's just not working, right? Mm-hmm. So the only way to do it is to end him. So he's reminiscing about everybody he killed from the, the point he met Rita all the way up until that point that she catches him into where she has to just go on ahead, put justice into her own hands and kills him. Yeah, it's easy. so many good ideas yet. The studio were like, let's plug him in, like desperation <laughs> card, you know? Like and your pitch was actually the actual pitch they gave, and you know, they listened to you, amazing pitch. Yeah, let's just kill her in season six. <laughs> right. And another thing thing though, too, was, and I have to agree with you on this, having Tom Hanks' son in there, he's a great actor, but to have that twist in there just doesn't didn't do it for me. Yeah. A lot of the my what the f moments after season four happened in the last season. Um, how Deb was got shot and she's I'm fine. Then she becomes comatose. Then she's practically dead. So there's that. How he gets away of killing the guy on camera and how they just easily believe that. Oh yeah, self defense. Yeah. I- I blocked it on my memory. <laughs> wow, okay. Yeah, and then, or just how he just, how it ends. I mean, geez, that was just, that, that whole ending was just. <laughs> I, I'm getting depressed, John. <laughs> okay, so Charlie, tell us what we have next on the menu for tonight for our next topic. Right, our next topic is um, Taiki um, YT. Um, yeah, okay, I can't pronounce I like that, Taiki. Taiki. Okay, he's doing a new series called um, Our Flags Means Death, and it casts uh, Ry- um, Reese Darby as the lead. Um, so essentially, it's uh, Avas Me Hartis, pull up your bootstraps, hoist the man- uh, mansail, because Ross Darby is cast as the lead in Our, Our Flag Means Death, HBO Max's period comedy series from um, the director of What We Do in the Shadows. The series marks yet another collaboration for the duo, who in the past have worked together on, like, What We Do in the Shadows and Flight of the Concords. Um, Darby is set to star in Waiti's uh, um, upcoming uh, soccer feature, Next Goal Wins, which tells the story of American Samoa soccer team who suffers the worst loss in World Cup history. Um, this, this, the show is, is loosely based on the true adventures of Steed uh, Bonnet, played by Darby, a well-to-do gentleman farmer and child of wealth who suffers a midlife crisis and becomes the captain of the Revenge, a pirate ship in the early 18th century. Bonnet was a moderately wealthy land, uh, landowner who later returned to life to crime as a pirate. He bought a sailing vessel and named it Revenge and traveled with his paid crew along the eastern seaboard of what is now the United States capturing other vessels and burning other 
Barbadian ships. <laughs> um, okay. I ate Dave. Take a you you've been it's smoking right some good stuff, man. <laughs> right up his alley because he's in that stuff. I'm sold on it though. Imagine uh, the movie pitch. I love pirate movies. <laughs> though, because not only that, but I think this is a comedy if I'm not mistaken. Mm. It probably think, is. Yeah, Sounds because like I remember I remember Roka or somebody on SEN Live talking about it when it was first announced. And I think this is actually a, a matter of fact, a comedy movie. And I'm all for it. He's actually thinking outside the box a little bit. He has his little 80s kind of flavor to it a little bit, it seems like, with this whole entire aspect of the pirate ship and everything. I can just see him putting his own little spin on it and his own little flavor of Taika Waititiism, if you will. But TV series. Well, still, I'm still yeah. happy that it's still yeah. going to be a, you know, yeah. TV series actually feels like a movie now, if you actually think yeah. about it. Yeah. So yeah. it's just good to see him in doing a smaller type thing on a, on a smaller screen rather than a movie. And yeah. I think that it'll actually, as a matter of fact, I think it might actually grow some gravitas towards people that like uh, the new, the last Thor movie. So I know I'm going to be watching this. I probably will. It's HBO Max, and I have it, so I might as well. And I'm excited for his new Thor movie. That cast is going. This is this called Avengers Five. That's what you got to oh, call it. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, I think we. Yeah. Hold on. But yeah, I think that um, it's going to be really good, though. I mean, I I think that Taika Waititi is actually going to wind up doing what he always does best: is making us laugh. You know. Yeah. I mean, so, I didn't. Really- it was just interesting during the one interview he was doing for that free guy movie about the trailer that him and Ryan Reynolds said they always wanted to be in a movie together. And the two castmates were like, you were Green Lantern. I'm like, he wasn't in Green Lantern. I'm like, holy crap, he was in Green Lantern. Yep. I thought that was actually funny, though, how they actually have them all together. And, he, and you know, like you said, he's like, I think we work together. No, we never work together. I don't know what you're talking about. So. I'm excited for that. They need to release that movie soon. Free guys gonna be great. Okay. All and right. Frenchie's back. So <laughs> So what were we gonna say though, Frenchie, about, about this movie? About uh, this TV series? It, it sounds so ridiculous. Only he could pull it off. Like again, if he pulled off a comedy about Hitler. He's proven to the world he can take any subject, okay? So this sounds completely ridiculous. And yet, at the same time, fuck am I, like, so, so happy I have HBO and I can't wait to see things. How good is HBO doing? They can't, it, their plan is working. People keep talking about HBO and what they're doing. They're changing the game and they're bringing content like this is not blockbuster stuff, but it's things that I, I'm going to take two hours of my day to watch this. Same. And it's original content. It's something yeah. that we've been wanting. We It was like, well, where's all the original stories at? All we're getting is sequels, reboots, prequels. Yeah. This is it. This is HBO doing what it needs to be doing. And there's a big machine right now trying mm. to feed yeah. us and everything. And we need to just take a minute to actually look at what's in front of us. And they're doing a good job at selling us on what, what they yeah. have. It hasn't been out a year yet. It was just released in May, HBO Max. And the fact we're already getting all this content. I mean, at the end of this month, we get a, a movie with Denzel, Jared Leto, and uh, uh, Rami Malek. I mean, yeah. we're getting, uh, and it was Warner Brothers, and we're getting it on HBO Max. I mean, I mean, people might hate that idea of what HBO Max is doing, but I think it's smart what, what Warner Brothers is teaming up to do. I think it's a win-win for both sides. They're panicking Disney and Netflix. That's what they're doing. They're shaking yeah. up the cage. Yeah. Yep. I wasn't even interested in mm-hmm. Plus anyway. I mean, I was going to go HBO Max. I had to buy one HBO Max all the way. <laughs> Sorry, John. Yeah. So what I was thinking was, too, they're actually evolving. They're actually doing something that they're actually, you know, what I'm thinking is my line of thinking is this. Like, we're stuck in an age where movie theaters used to be the biggest thing. So they're trying to incorporate both. They're trying to go ahead and say, you know what? We know we have the pandemic. We know we have an issue. We need to release these movies. Otherwise, they're going to just be in the vault for a while and keep pushing back and pushing back. 
to the point they're never going to get released. So therefore, they have to go on ahead and think of something. So HBO Max putting it on a streaming service makes sense. Mm. And you know, we also saw the benefits of them actually doing it on streaming and also at the movie theaters at the same time. So mm. you know, we can actually have fans that might actually go see this movie on their TV and then say, you know what, I want to. I wonder what that experience would be like at a movie theater. And let's say the pandemic's over with. They're going to go on ahead and maybe go into their car and go see this movie, regardless of the fact that they have already seen it on the TV. Yeah. Seeing in a theater is a total different experience. Mm. I mean, there's some movies that are coming for HBO Max like later in the year, like September, October, de- yeah, next December, that I personally would rather go see in the theater then watch on HBO Max. So if the theaters are open by then, I'll try to, and everything's calmed down to a degree, I'll try to go to the theater to see. I mean, nothing's going to stop me from seeing The Matrix 4. <laughs> I got to see that in the theaters. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I, oh, don't break my heart like that, Charlie. I didn't think of it. I want to see the theaters too. Oh, no. <laughs> but it's coming both, so we'll see. I mean, they, again, they plan, that's coming on December, so that we still got to, they, they were just planning ahead. Gap. Yeah, so it's a huge. Um, but no, um, like I said, the Matrix. Yeah, I gotta go to the theater to see that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let's see. Tara says I don't have HBO Max. Sounds interesting. Three I like it so far. Sorry. Oh no, you're good. <laughs> I know. I just said Tara, treat yourself. Get HBO Max. It's worth it. It definitely is. The catalog that they have. They have old movies. They have the Harley Quinn animated show on there. Yes. The list just goes good. on. And everything. Matter of fact, I watch Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead and everything. And I haven't seen that movie since I was a teenager. So I went on ahead and revisited my teenage years. So, and anything, if you have HBO, anything from HBO is on the HBO Max app anyway. And and it's also the only exclusive place that's getting the Justice League Snyder cut. Which that alone is worth it. Absolutely. So, I mean, yeah. (laughs) So, what else do we have? Well, sneak, sneak, uh, speaking of the Snyder Cut, we have a couple um, like uh, Zack Snyder information. So um, Zack Snyder's upcoming movie, um, he's got a zombie heist movie called Army of the Dead. Which it's supposed to hit Netflix later this year, and it, it's essentially the director has revealed some of the first images along with some new details about the anticipated project. Snyder, uh, Snyder shared the images in an interview along with some comments from the cast, co-stars Batista, Dave Batista and Tig uh, Notario. Um, so it is, it is a full-blown, balls-to-the-wall zombie heist movie. So it's a genre on genre in a great way. So you expect pure zombie mayhem, and you get that 100%. But you also get these really amazing characters on a fantastic journey. It's going to surprise people that... There's a lot of warmth and real emotion with these, with these great characters. With Dawn of the Dead, we made a zombie movie, but tried to do it all the way with all those tropes of the genre. That was so fun. So I started to think of what we were, what were the other genres that's, that's the that story didn't have room for. It's the tone where you have fun with the genre, but you don't make fun of the genre. It's a fine line. Um, mm-hmm. And he also shared news about the upcoming four-part animated prequel series, Army of the Dead, Lost, Lost Vegas, which will feature Batista, Notario, and much of the film's principal cast. Um, yeah, that was about it, and the okay. rest of his interviews. But, um, okay. Yeah. So I'm going to let Frenchie go into to this. Yeah, I mean, we're at that point. You want to make more zombie movies? You got it's like super superhero movies. You got to mix it up. At one point, there's so much you can do with, like population trying to survive that little group, and you know it's time to 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 make things popping, right? And a heist movie and a zombie movie. My speculation right off the bat is the cure has been found. It's it was created at the same time as the disease. This is a a human made disease, right? COVID influences. We're going to see a lot of that. And human made a zombie thing made by a pharmaceutical company already have the, the, the solution and they have to break in and try to get it. Yeah. That's what I was going with. That's whenever my, my wheels was actually turning in my head as you were telling me this. I'm like, this is actually pretty cool. This is going to be like a Fast and the Furious heist kind of film, zombie apocalypse, dealing with trying to see who was going to get the cure first. Ooh. Kind of thing, kind of like a Mad Max Fury Road type type of thing too, mm. but 
you know, like you said, Frenchie, I mean, you can only do so much with zombie movies. And we got an ass load of them in the early 2000s to the point where it's like, okay, we get it. You know, slow yeah. zombies, fast zombies. It's all the same stuff. And even I lost interest in The Walking Dead. And I'm like, there's only so much you can do with those characters. You already put them through hell and back again. You can't grow these characters anymore. It just becomes a repetitive process. So what Zack Snyder's doing is he's giving us something that hasn't been done before. Mm-hmm. Doing a heist movie during an apocalypse. I'm also for it. I'm definitely going to get my ticket and whenever I watch this movie at my house. <laughs> what about no, you, oh. oh, sorry. No, go ahead. No, I'm, yeah, I'm excited for it. I think it's going to be cool. I mean, it's just... I mean, like Zack Snyder knows how to make some good movies, and he's probably going to take advantage of the slow motion effect from his 300 days. I mean, you just know there's going to be like like a horde of them, and Dave Bautista is going to have to fight every single one of them. <laughs> now, I have a question for you boys. Um, we're putting ourselves into Zack Snyder's shoes, right? We're making this heist movie zombie. What is the one movie you choose to be your heist inspiration side of the movie? For me, it's Italian Job. Mm. That, like, like, just the feel of it. Like, almost British feeling. Okay. With me, I would actually have to... I love the British, though. The British thing is actually pretty cool. So, it would actually be pretty cool if it was actually Canadian. Go go a little bit different. We don't... Canadians don't steal things, John. We don't have no heist movies. Interesting. (laughs) I don't know what that means, though. Well, it would probably be like they the only place that they actually have the cure at is probably at Canada. So therefore they actually have to get to Canada. Okay. And you, Charlie. I would have to probably go maybe if it's I think I could see it be set in Boston, like the town esque essentially. I mean, I was thinking fast five, that heist sequence was this phenomenal like yes. like that even the yeah, that was awesome. But I think like it depends. I don't even know. I haven't even seen trailers. I just saw one image, so I have to like I have to see more to see what type of heist this is. But I mean, from what I'm reading, it could either be a mixture of what Fast Five did or what the town did. But then again, I'm not 100 percent sure. I'm not Snack Snyder. <laughs> oh, um, what are your heist movies? Oh, you want a uh, new storyline, new different direct uh, uh, characters. You don't want to go the same idea. Um, route as someone already did. That's kind of the problem. <laughs> the problem is every idea has already been used, and that's true. Mm-hmm. So then what, there's nothing interesting. Like we got romantic comedy zombie movies. That was the um, Warm Bodies. Warm, yeah, yeah. So we got that. We got there hasn't been much plays. Like when's the next sci-fi zombie movie? Give us Dead Space or something. In zombies. You know what? I would like to actually see, and this is not zombies at all. What about an alien invasion during a home invasion? <laughs> Your brain's like, hey, invasion, invasion. We can merge them. <laughs> right. <laughs> you, can't, you, can't do, you can't do any weather-related ones because they did two bad ones from right. the, uh, the hurricane heist. I mean, that was god-awful. And then, or you got the uh, the one I watched called Force of Nature, where it's like Dave, um, Angel, but uh, Angel Batista is trying to steal a painting in the middle of like this epic storm mixture of all of them, this in a small house. I mean, you can't do that one's been done like to a pulp. That's true. Yeah, like, and at least we know Zack Snyder is going to offer something beautiful to look at. Yeah. Exactly. And I always like, but yeah, I like what he what they described it as a zombie movie within a heist movie. I mean, there's genre combinations. I mean, I always I, I did a paper in college. Mm. Um, I think like I did it on aliens about how they mixed all those types of genres into one to make it not not truly horror. It, it had four elements, but it wasn't strictly a horror movie. So I think I like I said I think that like the mixture of the the genres is an is a cool idea. Yeah. Right. So, John, you're you say? Yeah. So, speaking of Zack Snyder, you know what he could actually use? He could actually use something from the NBA store. You know, hey. he could use a, you know, it's a new year. You know, it brings the start of a new NBA season. Suit up with the latest gear to show your support for your team. Why not? 
we may be uh, sidelined from getting to the arena, but that doesn't mean you can't watch basketball from your couch in style. We are teaming up with the NBA and Pago to bring our listeners up to 75% on select items. Yes, you heard that right. Go to pago.co slash NBA for up to 75% off select items from the NBA store. The NBA is where amazing things happen, like Zack Snyder's zombie movie. So, hey, And Charlie, by the way, we know you're going to go on, on Bago after. What team are you buying? Probably 76ers. NBA, though. <laughs> NBA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 76ers. 76ers. Philadelphia 76ers. Okay, I, I got the, this is how much I know about football, apparently, and basketball. basketball. It's uh, I thought of a uh, 49ers. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> too many numbers. You listen to say you're not going to the NBA store. <laughs> I'm in that show, but I uh, get yeah, TO for me, Toronto Raptors. Seeing Drake happy like that, it made me smile. So for me, it's all about Toronto. You know what else, though? I actually saw a little uh, pop figure of Michael Jordan. So I might actually get me a little pop figure of Michael Jordan. So, too. You're not getting a Boston Celtics guy? Uh, oh, you're talking about Larry Bird? Larry Bird. Yeah. Yeah, I'll get, I'll get him, too. All right. I'll get Larry. I'll get Michael. You know? <laughs> but again, we're, we're going to save 75% so what a yeah. beautiful thing. Exactly. <laughs> and tell us what else you have for us, Charlie. All right. So... And another Zack Snyder fan is like he was getting interviewed and he decided um he's been we are always known Zack Snyder as a DC guy. Well, he came out and he said about he reveals which Marvel comic movie he would like to adapt. Um, so he says uh he recently revealed that he'd be interested in directing the film starring Daredevil and Elektra. So the uh, said that that's the next Marvel comic story on he'd like to tackle next. He was recently asked that Dirk Dooner interview with Comic Book Debate. He's, I would choose Electra Lives Again. Snyder commented, do you know that Frank Miller do that Frank Miller comic book? It's a graphic novel about Electra. Daredevil's having these demons about Electra coming back to life, and that's really cool and weird. Um, hmm. Yeah. So and he also praised the uh, Lynn uh, Varley's work on Electra Lives Again. Okay. You know, everybody, I saw everybody in the comments section and everything else when this story broke today and things like that. And making fun of it. But me, on the other hand, I'm like, this actually fits the bill for Zack Snyder. I can imagine the scenery, the whole layout, the whole entire exposition of what Electra is. I can see him doing a whole different spin on it and everything, especially whenever he looks at his special effects with the camera angles and things like that. To me, I think that it actually is totally, he totally fits in with that. And it's Frank Miller, too. I mean, he's known for working with his adaptations. I mean, 300 was a Frank Miller, and but he, the action in that was fantastic. And, and I can imagine a lot of slow motion, like, at flight sequences that Electra has with whoever. And, heck, I'll take more Daredevil. I mean, we, we, we always need, like, I mean, we need more Daredevil at this point. I mean, Marvel, call up Zack Snyder. He's available. <laughs> now, I, I'm curious... Who, who do you take, right? you probably going to try to avoid the Netflix Electra, so you would have to recast, um, I'm believing, right? They technically yeah. Marvel has the rights. They The rights for Daredevil was reverted back to Marvel, I think, uh, either November or December. Um, so it was just recently they got the rights back, so that's why there's speculation that Mur uh, Matt Murdock was going to return in Spider-Man 3. Mm. With Charlie Cox coming in. Yeah, and everything. Okay, so that case you would have to keep the if they're going that route, anyways. You would have to keep because Alessio was on the show, so yeah, right. And I'm, I'm not, fine yeah, with they're that. gonna bring her back again. That's like the second time they'll have to bring her back. Mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, okay, how many times do I have to die for this role? Right? I mean, she's already died so. twice already, <laughs> right. Well, technically, they did kill him off last season, right? So that maybe that was the way to just clear the uh, the the waiters. Like this, else world Daredevil, right? What they're doing with Batman, they could do it with, with this, right? Just forget the show. Here's the new one, and then recast Daredevil, recast everything. You know what? Just go with the Marvel Knights way of doing it. Make it its own radar universe where we have Ghost Rider, where we have the Punisher, where we'll have. 
Daredevil and Elektra and all these and Blade yeah. and have all these R-rated characters that we actually love. Call yeah. it Marvel Night Studios. Go on ahead. Go deep with this and also have Zack Snyder filming Elektra. And well, where do you put it? Intro. Where do you, you can't put it on Disney if it's rated R. What platform? That's the issue. Super well, they have great. Fox. Well, they still have Fox that they can actually yeah, bring off it's of. Like, it's like 20th Century Studios. I think it's like 20th Century Studios or something like that. I think they rebrand that. Um, yeah, I mean, because because Daryl and Daredevil to be R-rated, and that's going to be under the Disney umbrella. But it's like I think they're going to have they're going probably going to keep this. The studios probably be the same. So I guess maybe have another studio take 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 it on, I guess. I'm not 100% sure. I mean, I mean, there's speculation that Thomas Jane wants to direct John Berfano in a Punisher movie. I mean, talk about Passion of the Torch right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I want John Bernthal back. I actually have an autographed pop by John Bernthal. So. Uh, John Bernthal's the one who played before, right? Yes. Uh, on yep. Netflix? Yes. Yep. yep. He, he yeah, is Shane Punisher. From, yeah, Shane from The yep. Walking Dead. Yeah, he's perfect for it. I mean, he even got, when I got my photo with him at Awesome Con in D.C., um, I got a photo with him. I mean, it was like, yep, yeah, Punisher. Yep. So, I mean, <laughs> give us more Punisher. <laughs> All right. So, what else do we have on there, Charlie? Uh, the last thing here was this information uh, regarding, like, they're, like since uh, it was starting the new year, they're talking about, like, biggest box office hits in 2020, and that was uh, Bad Boys for Life. It was mm-hmm. the, the big, the big uh, moneymaker, well-deserved. Um so they said the box office win has come up with Ben Asterix since pretty much everything else in 2020 is delayed with the wake of 2020 COVID-19. But Sony Pictures has a reason to celebrate because that, that movie is number one. It it uh, ended up with a domestic figure of $206.3 million. When the global factor factored in, the film brought its total to a $426.5 mil, making it the second highest grossing film of 2020 globally and. Uh, taking numbers, uh, Nick, taking a number. Oh, I think that was the. Oh, yeah. And I, uh, that's weird. I think, and this is 1917 was the number two spot. Interesting. Okay, that was that was the weird. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Bad Boys for Life was the top, mo- top grossing movie in 2020. Go on ahead, Frenchie. This is how bad 2020 was. <laughs> 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 Your top movie is Bad Boys 2 or 3 oh. or. Whatever Bad you Boys see, was. I love the Bad Boys movie. I, I, I'm, I'm right there with Josh McCuga. I'm right there with Josh McCuga, man. You know who Josh is. The yeah. Wild Man. Oh, yeah. Well, I tweeted was... out, right? I, mean, I, tweeted out to, I tweeted out to Josh, a matter of fact, as I was getting ready to watch it in theaters. And he ended up liking my tweet. But, you know, I just loved it because it was so long since we actually saw those two together. The chemistry yes. just fit. And the story just flowed. The two directors that directed this film, and it wasn't Michael Bay, they did mm. a good job at just bouncing off of each other ideas. You can tell that they expanded on each other's ideas. And that's what I loved about it. It actually felt like that they didn't miss a beat. And that was actually something I was actually fearful for, especially watching the trailer. So yeah. I, I went on ahead and saw this movie. You know what else I was actually surprised about? that The Invisible Man is not even on that list because that was actually the last movie I saw in theaters. And I thought because of the positive reviews and also, too, people were still going at that time, I'm actually surprised that didn't make the list. That's one it of is. the movies that's going to be a cult classic. No one saw it, but after they saw it, because I saw it on uh, on Crave, and fuck, my girlfriend does not like suspense horror movies, and she loves this movie. There's a time she was cheering, like, you beat him! You know? <laughs> it got her. It finally got her. So, uh, to, ha- to have that effect of my girlfriend right. with that kind of movie, it's a cult movie. Right. And Tara also said this. She goes, "What I don't." And she's talking about like the Marvel stuff and things like that. But what I don't understand is why do they kill off a character and then a few seasons and then they bring the character back? Yeah, well, it, it's, it's the setup was interesting how they did it at the end of season two, though. Daredevil. It's a comic book thing, too. Yeah. Like, if you understand comic books, they erase things and bring it back a couple years after. And like right. readers like, okay, it's new. And they just forget, you know, it's a right. new story. So it's more of a comic book thing. It's what they're doing with Batman, right? Uh, they're setting it apart completely from DCU. It's a whole different Batman from Ben Affleck. And they'll both be on at the same time. But it's a different Batman. And comic book people just accept it. Right. 
And I also feel like this, like, depending on who the villain is or the hero is, too, I think fans glamour for certain characters to where they're actually loved, and they actually look at that as well. They're like, mm-hmm. well, you know what? Maybe we killed him off too early. Maybe we could go on ahead and bring him or her back and try and do something different. And I think that's also, too, where that also comes in as well. But, yeah, that's where that comes in, though, Kara. Um, let's see. And as well, if I can, uh, I can add in, uh, it's, it's the studio saying, okay, this is not going anywhere. We have to use him eventually. We can't let him alive because then you have like, but what happened? People get confused, right? So that's why, for in this case, they saw this was going nowhere. Kill him off, rest him upside a bit. We'll bring out something soon, right? So it, it's the most logical way they could have done it just to, to pass on the torch. Exactly. And Charlie, did you have anything else that you wanted to add to that whole entire thing about Bad Boys being number one? I wanted to get your yeah. thoughts on it. I like I I love the movie. I was a huge fan of the uh, the first two. Um, I, I was like like as I was like I was excited for this one because it's like oh they're really putting the two like, the two of them in real danger because the last few ones they were in danger. Um, but then again, it was Michael Bay style, so he always makes it kind of like kind of cart like if it's R rated hard R. But in a sense, he's got his own. It feels cartoony in a sense. Like the second one, I had there's a lot of cart, felt cartoony, not visually, but but this one, getting it a grittier take on it. I mean, it was like I mean, seeing all the the, the fan favorites, like oh, you really like this character. Oh yeah, we're we're pulling Game of Thrones. Yeah, we're taking that person out. I'm like, that one was like that was a bummer because I like that character. Exactly, and. Like I said before, I know you, I said this to you too, Charlie, but I felt like, you know, they actually did something different. Will is actually in danger. You actually feel like he's in danger. He's going through PTSD. He's going through different levels of fear that we haven't seen from Mike Laurie before. Mm-hmm. And now he's having to face that. And we don't know if it's something from his past, a reoccurring character. We were on the edge of our seats wondering who this villain actually is. Yes. And when we actually had it revealed to us that plot twist, it just blew my mind. Yeah, I was ex- because it wasn't I was it wasn't anybody I was expecting. I actually thought it was literally somebody from the past movies that was coming back. All right, you guys, go, I'm gonna have to recheck it. Maybe I was smart. <laughs> I'll see. But well, I, you know what? Me. I want to do a reaction for that. <laughs> All right. Um, and going on the take about bringing characters back, it works. But then it doesn't work. Like nobody wants to see Uncle Ben die for the ten thousandth time. Leave that poor man alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, or yeah. Bruce. They're even turning to rice. <laughs> I guess to see uh, who am I reading for? Uncle Ben. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, we have no more food. All right. So, hi. Do you have a job for me, Uncle Ben? Again? Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> Yeah, it's sure, pretty much conversation. Not? Yeah, you only have all a right. five minutes scene. <laughs> so, all right, guys. So, does anybody else have any more questions or anything like that for us? Let's see. Hold on. What's going on? Okay, that's fine, man. I understand that you actually have to uh, go and everything. You have things that you have planned out. Go ahead, do your plugs and everything. And where can people reach you at? All right, so Schmozenorf on YouTube is where you can find me. If you know what Schmodown is, if you don't, go check it out. It's amazing. But if you do, we do Norton Consultations, which is interviews with the players. We also go over the sport itself, the matches itself on um, Schmodown Night in Canada. And audio side, you can find the Frenchie Talks about. We dive deep into really random subjects sometimes with specialists of that subject, and we really um, go hard and deep in subjects. I even got John to confess a couple of things from the heart. All right. So <laughs> thank you very much for being on. Nice to see you again, Charlie. John, nice see you next time. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. I almost hit end broadcast. Oh, boy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, is there anything that you wanted to talk in particular off of the that doesn't have anything to do with the news or anything like that for the movies. Was there anything that popped off to you earlier today that you saw? Um, no, nothing. Nothing's really. I haven't really seen okay. much new out there. Yeah, same here. Yeah. So, with that being said, guys, I'm going to go on ahead and end this right now. 
And I just want to thank Frenchie for being on. Thank you, Charlie, for being on. Thank you, Tara, for asking us questions in the chat. We do appreciate that. Another thing, too, guys, is Frenchie and I are actually teaming up to do trailer reaction videos. So, in other words, is not only is this trailer reaction video is going to be streaming from my channel, but it's also going to be streaming from his channel, too. So, therefore, you can go to Smooth in the North. And, matter of fact, we're actually going to be calling this uh, new segment called Neighbors. So, you guys can also check that, that out soon. We did our first trailer reaction to a Netflix film. That's going to be available for everyone to watch in a few minutes or so. So, go in and check that out whenever you guys can. Another thing, too, guys, is if you want to go on ahead and donate towards the show, you guys don't have to, but I understand that if you want to show some generosity, go on ahead, click the link below and everything, and you guys will go on ahead and donate to the show. Another way they can show support is we are actually sponsored by Audible as well. Go on ahead, click the link below, and guess what? You guys get 30 days free of a free trial for your audiobooks and everything. So go on ahead, give that a, ch a chance. And also, too, if you want to go for all your entertainment needs and wants and everything, we have a page called www.moviloveshenight.com. Go on ahead, go over there, and tell me what you guys think about that. We also have a Patreon. As a matter of fact, we're going to be doing our classic movie movie review for Caesar coming up Sunday with Tamika. And then we're also doing our Doom Patrol review Saturday with Tamika. So I cannot wait to do that. And we're doing season one of Doom Patrol, not season two yet. I decided just to break it down uh, season by season because it just makes it easier. And then, of course, you can find us on Pinterest at Movie Lovers TV Lovers Unite and also on our Facebook page, Movie Lovers TV Lovers Unite. And we also have an Instagram, Movie Lovers TV Lovers Unite over there. You can also follow me on Twitter at John Diagorio 8 or at Movie Lovers Unit. And as always, until next time, guys, it's been a pleasure. It's been great. Thank you guys again for joining us. Thank you, Charlie. And always until next time, guys, bye-bye. See ya.